Redemption is a proud member of the RPG Academy Network, where if you're having fun, you're doing it right. This is Redemption, an actual play podcast set in the Star Wars Edge of the Empire role-playing game system. Bonus episode, Season 1 Recap. As Season 2 approaches, the voice actors and guests wanted to give new listeners an overview of what happened in the 17 episodes that make up Season 1. Welcome to the uh, episode where we actually go through and talk about the previous episodes. Uh, we just ended Season 1, we're on our way to Season 2. And it's me, Chris, Mike, and we're joined by Jacob. He is actually going to be guest starring in the season two opener. He played uh, one of the members of the crew of the Harlequin. So welcome, Jacob. Thank you. And uh, he's also been a listener, so he can kind of give you some recap from a listener's point of view. Chris, you got anything you want to say before, or should we just start talking about the episodes? Well, let's just jump into it. Why wait? I think we can kind of brush over episode 100 because it's pretty much a recap of what we did before we actually released the podcast. Well, no, I, I think it's right. it's worth at least mentioning because it does get us to the point where we're at. And the, so, basically, for those of you who haven't heard or did not listen to that particular episode, it's probably impossible for you to have because we recorded it and realized we couldn't release it. Uh, so the audio was so bad. The audio was horrible. We were recording it, the entire room on one microphone, and it was it was uh, what you would call our uh, our initial outing into the uh, the podcasting world and we quickly realized uh, that our equipment was not up to the task we literally had one microphone in the middle of the table trying to get all of us and <laughs> it, it there are times when you can hear us perfectly well but if anybody even sat back a little bit you lost all of their audio so i guess one question i have i don't know if it was explained too much in detail but how did you guys end up meeting the the whole story started with uh with tazi landing on tatooine uh, attempting to hunt down the Deveronian who had swindled his father out of their family freighting freighter vessel, their fr family shipping vessel. In the process of trying to find Cantor, the Deveronian, Tazi got into a bit of a scrape in a bar and then ran into a Nautilin who was able to kind of fix up his wounds, uh, was kind of a sympathetic soul. And the Nautilin, uh, who ended up being the character of Ko, accompanied Tazi on Tatooine to try and find Cantor, try and hunt him down. In the process of trying to locate Cantor, uh, we also uh, were told that there was a Twi'lek who may be able to help us locate and, and possibly even get into Cantor's ship. That Twi'lek happened to be Corel. Um, and once we found Cantor, um, well, to be blunt, Tazi, uh, Tazi demanded that he sign over the deed, then put uh, two laser blasts into his head area around the horn and forehead part and then once we had the deed signed we went back to claim the ship when we got back to the ship we then found that the ship was uh let's just say it was chock full of beings um and when you're talking wookies that we're talking chock full chock full, chock full. goodness chock full of of wookies chock full of humans chock full of twi'leks and uh and then also as we as we found, Corel in particular had a uh, what was it a, a hatred, a deep, dark, burning hatred for uh, for, for slaving and slavers. And upon her urging, we decided that it would be be best to try and return these slaves to to their homeworlds. Well, I was a little upset that you guys killed Cantor without me because that's the whole reason Corel was on Tatooine. You were no, you were with us, but the it was me and Cantor really. Ko kind of was at the back of the room. You were maybe watching the exit, like 
you, you I don't did remember the, the particulars, but yes, yes, Tazi did get to pull the trigger on Cantor. Well, Caro felt better later when uh, his cohorts got handed over bodily to the Wookiees, who you know like to pull arms off things, mm-hmm. like <laughs> Deveronian slavers. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's also where we ran into two people in the human section of the cargo that would become big players later on in the episode. You guys went to Ryloth. That's where you freed all the non-Wookiee slaves. And you guys then also bought some spice. You took the spice from Ryloth up to Lostbane, where you sold the spice on Lostbane to the cult. And Well, we didn't know they were a cult yeah, at the time. You, they were just very friendly and wanted to have dinner with us. Which is where... Uh, and drugged us. They, yes. they did drug us, uh, which actually led to uh, one of my favorite sessions of RP that we did. And I think that's, for me, when I realized we were going to p- make this a podcast. Because the the truth serum they gave us basically made us act like we were drunk. Not all of us. Not all of us. Uh, you know, Karel, the, ex- the former Jedi Padawan, was the first one to horribly fail the willpower roll. Horribly. Oh, horribly. Horribly. <laughs> and so she basically uh, overshared a lot with uh, Tazi and Kao. That ended up being... Uh, very funny. And then uh, Kale slept with a prostitute. He did. He paid totally. his debt, though. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> when when her uh, gentleman friend called on the ship the next morning, he had money on hand, paid the man, shut the door in his face, and that was the end of that. Well, he wishes well, it was, it was the not the end of that. Uh, we did we did uh, ridicule Kale mercilessly about that particular incident for a little while. For a little while, yes. About. 17 more episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Which it comes up from time to time. Once we left Las Bain, though, we tried to drop the Wookiees off at uh, Kashyyyk. And you guys actually found out about the blockade. You guys went to the blockade, and there was a senator from Kashyyyk there. He actually asked you guys to go down to Trandosha using the uh, illegal cargo that you had at the time as a way to get on planet. You already had some separatist credentials from Lost Bane. You guys could get down on the planet and kind of spy. And yeah, it was we just, we just had to run we just had to run a Republic blockade. Which, <laughs> you know, Tazi piloted us through quite ably. We faked shooting at some uh yep. Republic ships mm-hmm. and ended up on Trandosha. Where, where you guys met Kratosk, the head of the Bounty Hunters Guild. Mm-hmm. And found out that well <laughs> the, the ship was known to him. Yes, quite known to him. Um, Kratosk apparently had a bit of a relationship with Cantor. Um, Not that kind of a relationship. And Cantor owed him a lot of money. A lot of money. Um, We were able to uh, work our way out of that particular situation with Kratosk. I'm not letting you gross over that. Because when we met Kratosk, he basically was very upset because Cantor owed him a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, you know, this is... I'm taking the ship, and Tazi just straight up. Tazi did man up. Yeah. Oh, it was it was impressive. You just manned up and like, I killed Cantor. What the hell are you gonna do about it? Well, that the debt was with Cantor. That was that was I think Tazi's big thing. He's like, your debt was with him. Unfortunately, you didn't collect before I killed him, and that's on you. And Um, yeah, it was very much a sucks to be you moment. And and luckily, the dice were with me on that one because. Can't, because uh, I, I was not immediately disemboweled by his well, peoples. Yes and no. They were and they weren't. Because actually when you first said that, you were about to get get out of the situation scot-free, but you did roll a despair, which is when then they recognized True. A1, which has then got you in a True. little bit of trouble. True. But you guys managed to get out of that. 
Um, while you were on Trandosha, though, you guys did kind of poke your noses around and find that there were Separatists on the planet. Well, they had initially, I believe the Wookiees had asked us to try and retrieve the bodies of their fallen. And did, we yeah. quickly realized that that was something that we were not going to be able to do. And we, unfortunately, also while doing that, came across quite a big droid army on the planet. True. Which led to a brilliant moment of Corell getting hit very hard and deciding to force jump straight up in the air. Not completely revealing that she's no, a force t- user. To be fair, that was half my hit points. And uh, Carell needed to get, wanted to get the hell out of there. So yes, that was an unintentional use of the force. Tazi did not notice as much as oh, Ko did. Totally Ko pretty much that. knew at that point. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> Ko Ko's character also coming into this had had some prior experience with force users and with mm-hmm. Jedi, so he had seen those maneuvers before. Tazi did not realize what had happened in front of him, uh, but that happens sometimes with Tazi. That's true. Was not the first time with, with it happened. Big eyes, you miss a lot. Not the first time it happened. Was not the last time. Will not. Will continue to not be the last time. Although one of your good lines, I remember. I don't know what episode. You can see sadness. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> um, but, but that that we ended up going back up to the blockade, and that was pretty much the end of where we picked up on episode one because the Jedi did the interview with us. That actually, I think, turned out really well because it it gave people a real feeling for what the characters are and who they are. It was a little slow because it was completely improvised because I had no idea we were going to do it that way. So some of my questions were a little repetitive and a little slow, but I was trying to play a character who was trying to catch them in lies. You know, there's, there, there's the moment where I ask Carell, you know, oh, so Ko shot him. No, 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 Tazi shot him. Oh, in the chest. No, in the head. Uh, no, it's It plays a little bit like a clip show because of the way we bounce back and forth. Yep. But then also I feel like we made the right decision in not re-recording that because, again... We've talked about this before off off mic and that, you know, re-recording some things, you lose a lot of that kind of spontaneity and that magic that you get from that recording session, from that from that around the table, this is happening right now, we're in the moment. True, true. I think that's, that is, though, something that we're probably going to uh, rehash over and over again until our dying day. Yeah, true. Probably. Because we're, we're, we're all, we all can see the different angles on it, mm-hmm. but... But yeah, doing it like a clip show where we cut back and forth was a conscious idea of Chris's, and I yeah. think it worked out pretty well. I would agree. Yeah, and in that episode, uh, the Jedi really did focus a lot. I well, didn't focus, but he keyed in on Rafe and Tassar because at the end of the episode, he actually asked the crew to go spy on Rafe and Tassar. He was really concerned about the potential that Tassar is some sort of dark force user. I said, I think I believe the the Jedi is the. Uh the person that keyed us into the fact that that Rafe was actually a senator, not just like a, an old guy stowing away with his wife on a ship. And that she wasn't his wife either. Yeah. Uh, we all kind of, we were a little... He was keyed on to Sar possibly being a dark side user. And the fact that Rafe is part of the Separatist movement, they wanted to know stuff. But they couldn't make it an official mission. So you guys were asked to go Be unofficially. Yeah. yeah unofficially go spy but he also promised that the ship's oh, yeah. name would be cleared yeah no that was the beginning of our tumultuous relationship with uh rafe and tassar and uh and our uh, uh what was the, the best way to put this is our uh, our continuing continuing adventures and being pawns of the separatists look at it this way if i we had let ko shoot the wookie poodoo eyed lady uh, in episode zero we wouldn't have had most uh, entire season one Oh, we would have. It just would have been a lot different. <laughs> That's true. It would have been a lot different. That's true. Um, 
episode 102, uh, the, the crew has left the blockade. They did decide to go towards Rusan, uh, and Ko decides to have a conversation with A1, because A1 didn't, he didn't seem like he was connecting with the crew. Well, this is kind of the episode where you meet A1 for the first time. It, it is. It really is. It really is. I actually have a question for you, Chris. I mean, I know we're doing just a recap here, but did you mean A1 to be your character? Or was he kind of an NPC that we just adopted? No, at this point, he was going to be a bad guy. <laughs> and this conversation is what actually changed it because I flat out had A1 say, I like being a slaver. I like being a bad guy. Yeah. I like stealing. And Ko going, well, we're going to do some of that, just not necessarily the slaving stuff. I kind of like you. And then he goes to Tazi and says, we like this guy. We should make him part of the crew. Then Tazi comes out and says, hey, you're part of the crew. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> Ko is really the one that said, "You can make your own choices. You know, you're you're not a slave. You're not. You don't have a master." Well, and that was that was kind of the kicker of the discussion because the back and forth between Ko and A One really revealed that A One saw himself as a slave, right. and that was a way for him to be in power was to be, take power over the slaves that they captured. So that's why he liked slaving because he felt like he had power and had choice and control. It was just really lucky for him that Carell was not there for that conversation. True. Like he would have gotten spaced you, after the word, I like being a yeah. slaver. He would have just been, you know, dropped off in hyperspace without a, without a boat. And now you guys are friends. <laughs> to a point. Ish. Friends ish. He, he amuses. He amuses. Um, you like him, admit it. <laughs> He does a lot of the work that I don't have to do. It's it's kind of nice. I just remember. But there was a time when you were bitching about him doing all the work. That's because you were asking him to do all the work. Now I think you ask that me episode, to do all the work. <laughs> we'll get to that episode. Will you please shut up and let the GM yeah, talk? I'm going I'm I'm to get some golden drink. I'll be back. <laughs> it's You're wearing the suit. Just pull out the nipple. Yeah. So then, KO basically uh, in the conversation with Episode A1. 115. All right. <laughs> uh, in the conversation where Tazi basically says you can do this your own stuff thing. is delicious. <laughs> Let's let him talk. In that conversation, Ko also did uh, decide to give A One the job of shopping and procuring items, which, as we all know, A One mistake. Is very <laughs> so in that conversation, A One was put in charge of shopping and procuring items, which we know he's very literal with how you guys give him descriptions. So the procuring items has come up later, um, but because he was told, hey, you can make your own choices, he decided to drop you guys out of hyperspace and actually change the course. You guys dropped out of hyperspace over the planet Randon. To the alarm of a lot of the crew. Well. No, no, yeah. No, no, yeah. The, pretty much the entire crew, except for anyone, was like, why are we stopping? Why are we stopping? Everything's on fire. All the cool kids have gone. <laughs> that's, that's true. There was a little panic. Um, that led everybody to ask what's going on. And A1 confessed that Kratos could put some extra parts inside of him, some parts that he could actually, Kratos could actually control A1 and make him do things he didn't want to do. And at the same time, Kratos could spy on you guys. So A1, now being free, didn't want somebody else controlling him. So he wanted those parts out, um, which nice thing. The crew was nice enough to say, sure, let's go down there and do that. I think the crew said, sure, let's go down there and do that. But we also had a long talk with A1 about, you know, maybe communicating these <laughs> things to us before he starts making decisions about where the ship is going and stopping and starting and those as, things. As everyone will hear eventually, there's a lot of conversations that reflect, go around, A1, you should probably explain these things to us before you just go and do them. 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> Several. Well, I mean, this episode had a lot of inter- this of character interaction. I mean, it was very. It was a bottle episode. We were just yeah, we were on, on the ship. ship, and it took place in a couple, almost in real time. To be to be completely honest, it was a long day. Yes. Yeah, so we ended up uh, <laughs> ending that episode as we headed down to Randon. Shopping on Randon. Oh, that was uh, interesting. Episode one. Episode one hundred three. <laughs> our shopping episode. We try not to shop all the time. I no, think that was yeah. pretty much your only one so far. Yeah, we've done most of our shopping on uh, Stellar eBay. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you guys went down and you got the parts you needed to fix A1. Plus, you guys decided to get the vocoder for A1. And the buffer panel, the buffer not panel. the buffet panel. The buffer panel. Yep, the primary buffer and, panel. And uh, let's, let's, let's be a little candid about the decision to get the vocoder. Um, doing sound effects for A1 was starting to get frustrating <laughs> yes. for our editor. Yeah, because Chris would just talk it over and I'd have to edit it all out and then find different R2-D2 noises and put them together in unique ways. So I was actually creating a droid language somehow. That took a lot of time. So a vocoder was a very welcome, welcome mm-hmm. change. Now, now, granted, we, we programmed that vocoder with like eight different voices, but I don't think we've ever heard a single <laughs> one of them, but the single one that started. Oh, you heard the Tazi one. He did do a Tazi voice. That's like an imper- that's like an impersonation, right? That's yeah. not. Well, he also that. did. He also a couple times has slowed himself down to make a point when he thought nobody was listening. Yeah, but that's not an actual different voice imprint. Yeah, but he couldn't do it without the vocoder. I mean, I guess he could just beep, boop, 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 boop. But you know. Anyway, <laughs> this is also uh, in this episode. You guys created Dave's Diner. That Dave's was actually. Diner. That was actually neat for me as a game master because you guys said, hey, let's go to a bar. I had nothing planned. So I kind of threw it at you guys and said, cool, what's it look like? Kind of like, oh, if you're going to make me think on my toes, I want to make you guys think on your toes. And you guys did it perfectly. I just sat back and let you guys design Dave's well, yeah, Diner. You guys got into it with the, the tubes the, the that came down from the ceiling. And yeah. we invented Frelp. Frelp. <laughs> Frelp is the awesomest drink there is. Um, it was intended to actually Frelp be. Frelp has electrolytes in it. It does. <laughs> what plants crave. That's what plants crave. <laughs> Frelp, when I when we originally did that, I was thinking Frelp was going to be golden drink, and then we ended up it, it ended up being basically orange juice. So you know, well, the golden drink is, I believe, technically called a golden pod racer. That's true. Yeah, and we've just kind of we've just started calling it golden drink because so if any fans actually want to set up a real world golden pod racer golden drink, uh, post that to our Twitter or Facebook. We'll give you a shout out. So uh, if you post the recipe for golden pod racer and it looks interesting, I will try it. <laughs> I will too. We'll get his, we'll get the reactions on audio for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on your way back to the ship after you guys left Dave's diner, uh, that's where things kind of hit the fan a little bit for KO especially. Because as you guys are walking back, all of a sudden the planet got invaded by these eight foot tall giant turtle human combination things called the yes, Yinkuri. Well, actually, he wanted to run away at first. Absolutely, mm-hmm. he did. He did run. No, Ko did actually run away. At he that like point. he picked up a one and was going to jet out of there. Yeah. He tried, but once you guys were running through the streets and you came uh, upon the scene where the female security officer was trapped. Does it matter that she's a female? It did because in the flashback that he had, he was a security officer assigned to a Padawan on his home planet, and she was trapped under a rock during the original Yunkuri invasion. He That's ran right. at that point. She died. He then had the same flashback and was scared and wanted to run again, which... But we did not, so we started the fight, basically, instead mm-hmm. of running. Not only did you guys win that fight, but you also picked up the wounded security officer and took her back to your ship, yeah, which was we, kind of And nice. then we all ran at that point. 
You did, but first you had to fight your way off planet, which is where we see the ships that spin, and you guys had to defeat them. Spinning turtles. You know, yeah, we actually, yeah, they were, they were, they were totally homages to Gamera. So once you guys got in orbit, that's when you guys uh, actually looked and realized that the Incuri were invading the whole planet. That leads us up to episode 104. Um, as you guys were leaving the planet, the first thing you guys tried to do was look at nearby systems to see if there was a place you guys could drop the security officer on. Unfortunately, there was none that were really safe. Or nearby. Or nearby. Uh, so you guys decided, well, I guess we're going to have to take her with us to Rusan. couple reasons. One, Rusan is part of the Separatist movement. So is Randon. And you guys could also spy on Rafe and Tassar at the same time. Kao got a little paranoid about being around Tassar again. Not. No. He's always paranoid. Well, he's also convinced that she was going to kill him at that point, which I always thought was kind of interesting because you guys then asked Ko to call Rafe to set up the whole meeting, which he did, and it, it worked just fine. Uh, it did lead to a weird conversation, though, as you guys argued about is there a comms panel in the gunnery pod or not. And apparently Ko didn't know how to use the panel. <laughs> Well, well we yeah, had, that was actually kind of a heated discussion we, we between had to, you guys. We had to install one for him. <laughs> and and yeah. that's an ongoing, that's become an, an ongoing joke, you know, a, a running joke. Yeah. Not just KO, like one of us will often leave the comm button on, like leave our thumb on the button. Uh, you guys did have KO call. He talked to Rafe. He explained about what happened on Randon. Uh, at the same time, Corral did fix A1, took out all the bad parts, put in the new good parts, and added a vocoder. Uh, which was nice because now we don't have to add the beeps in and I could actually talk. Uh, KO at the same time was developing his truth serum from the truth serum he got on Lost Bane. Uh, and you guys did fix up as much damage on the ship as you could. That then led us to a nice little scene where KO tries to talk to Corel about being force sensitive and the force leap she did on Trandosha. Drama ensues. Drama ensues. Uh, well, I think bit. that also was triggered because he knocked on her door at one point and. She was, or she accidentally force jumped out of bed because she was kind of surprised, uh, and so there was a there was a long discussion about that. Uh, fortunately, Carell is kind of a private person, and at this point, the crew had been together what two weeks, uh, something, something like, that. like that, and she was very much she was very adamant that. Uh, she wanted to keep her life private. Yeah, well, he was worried that people like Tassar were going to try to twist you to their advantage. You didn't want to talk about it, and you, you know, or I shouldn't say you, but Corell stormed off to her room and slammed the door. And that, I think, kind of started a little tension that lasted for a couple episodes between the whole group. <laughs> oh, that was, it was, when we were recording, it was actually really interesting. I remember, I think this was at the end of one of the, our sessions, because uh, we record two to three episodes when we get together. And I remember going to bed that night and just was exhausted because we, we when we were playing it out, it was really tense in the room because we were, we were really into character at that point and we were almost at a couple points yelling at each other. Yeah, uh, it, which actually led us to kind of the next scene that happened in this episode where I'm not sure exactly how it all came about, but Tazi falls asleep in the cockpit. Tazi falls asleep in the cockpit a lot. That's not. That's. Yeah, that's not. I that's can not tell the you. Part that yeah, that's not. That's just <laughs> not that. Yeah, that's not that surprising. That's I, not. I surprising. believe A one was kind of in charge of this uh, subtext. Actually, no, this part pretty much was Ko and Corel because you guys decided to set off the proximity alarm to wake up Ko or to wake up Tazi. Excuse me. That led A one to go. Hey, you guys like pranks. I'm now going to play a prank to win a little more favor. So once. Tazi fell back asleep. A1 decides to put a bucket of water behind him. Tazi wakes up, puts his foot in the bucket, trips, falls into the gunnery pod. Very Three Stooges. Uh, yeah, right on top of KO. Water gets all over. Some things get shorted out. 
which then led them to saying, well, Carell, we need you to fix it. And this then led to more drama because Carell was not able to fix what was wrong with it. She did install a comm button for him, but couldn't fix the there, turret. There weren't many spare parts on the ship, and there was a problem with that. Unfortunately for Carell's temper, A1 decided and announced, oh, I can fix that, and scavenged most of the parts from all of the doors on the ship to fix KO's gunnery pod. This irritated the heck out of Corell, and she ended up going back to her room and slamming the door manually uh, and led to a little bit of a scene where she pulled out her old lightsaber from her training days and was just kind of looking at it forlornly. A1 was very specifically told by Tazi not to prank Corell, and A1 very specifically said, I won't prank Corell. Well, and, and again, the, the, this whole situation is just fuel on the fire for Krell at that point. You know, mm-hmm. between the, the conflict she'd already been experiencing with K.O. And, and her own feelings of kind of being left out of things on the ship and left out of, you know, the importance of her particular role, this whole process led to another door slam or another attempted door slam. No, in fact, she did slam the door with, she her, I believe force. she used the force to slam the door. Yep. It was an assist. It was an assist. And uh, I think at that point, that's when Tazi attempted to try and have a conversation with Corell himself, uh, which was not going well. Corell was in kind of a bad place at that yeah. point, so it, it Tazi got kind of a brush off, to be honest. In the brush off, Tazi basically responded in kind, saying, well, you know, if this is how you're choosing to act, that's fine. You know, just understand that you're making the choices here at this point. We're, offer- we're extending our hand somewhat. Um, I wish I had more of the detail to that conversation, but again, that happened a long time ago. That, that, was, that was pretty much it. Yeah. If you'd like to hear it, listen to the end of episode 104. <laughs> Not quite the end. The end actually, Close to the end. The end actually surprised Carell a lot because she was feeling pretty alone at that point, pretty left out, and wondering you know, what, she was, what she was doing. And suddenly her former master appeared as a force ghost and discussed... Uh, a lot to a lot of things trying to get her back on the path that she needed to be and she needs to be a lot more introspective and spend more time meditating because that's how the force works and that actually faded us out of episode 104 and sent us into 105 yep uh, you guys landed on Rusan mm-hmm. uh, you were once you were greeted by Rafe uh, he invited you guys to be guests at his personal home there in the capital uh, you guys all decided to go except a1 you guys told him he could do what he wanted to do which we'll get to that later. <laughs> you guys all. This want- is this is a, again an example of uh, you know the crew not thinking of A one <laughs> as a uh, a freewheeling self motivated droid who has his own ideas of what uh, he can or should and shouldn't do. Technically, Ko told him to go shopping. True, which is what he did, but we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. Uh, while you guys sat down with Rafe, you guys did discuss the Yin Kuri invasion. Uh, Ko did tell everybody about the two different casts of Yin Kuri. You have the warriors and the leaders, and he also informed everybody that they can cause fear, which you guys are already we experienced. Knew. Yeah. At that point, uh, Corell had kind of gotten enough of the conversation to understand where it was going, and it was being rehashed. So she actually uh, ducked out and met with Tassar. They spent a little bit of time talking about force philosophies, for example. Corell was actually interested in finding out more information about a lightsaber crystal she had heard of that helps you control your emotions, and Tassar really wanted her to use her emotions to her advantage, not to deny the power of the emotions. Corell was basically brought up in the Jedi Temple, and she's like, this isn't how this works. 
thanks anyway for the information, but I'll keep my own stuff. Uh, that's about the time we actually learned where Dasar and Rafe are not married, and Dasar's actually serving, serving Rafe, right? Yes, she is. It also, I think, shows a nice little dichotomy. You have your old master, the Force Ghost, on one side pushing you one way, Tassar pushing you the other way, and Corel really doesn't seem to be want to follow either of them. Corel wishes she could follow the Jedi path, but she doesn't have the control for right, it. Right. But she doesn't doesn't believe in what. Actually, the funny thing is, she believes in what Tassar is saying, but rejects it because it's not what she has been taught. Yeah. We'll see what happens there in the future. Which. Wow. I'm sure that won't come back up. No, not never at all. Never. <laughs> not at all. While Corel was gone, that's when Tazi and Kale realized she was gone. Tazi got a little confused as to why Corel might want to go talk to Tassar. Again, this is Tazi being, he's observant, but not observant. Like he picks up certain things, but certain things he, he, he seems to be oblivious to it. In this, like in this case, He's Tazi is very bad. Uh, well, I'm not going to blame Tazi. I'm very bad with Rafe and Tassar. I can't tell you how many times I asked. No, 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 no. It you've made record. You've gone on mm-hmm. record that Tazi is very bad with names. Oh, Tazi is very bad with names, and that's, that's true. just an outcropping of your own. Thank you. It is sure. that that is a that is a personal trait I've laid onto the character. <laughs> Tazi doesn't quite get the whole force piece of the puzzle here. He's never really been around Force users as a character as, a, as he grew up and the experiences he's had, he's never really had to deal with them. Um, and uh, even though the time frame we're playing in has Force users in it, uh, and, you know, the Force, the Great Purge has not yet happened. Season it, four. <laughs> season four. Um, those things are still foreign to him. So, like, so the fact that, you know, Ko sees this and is very concerned about this, Ta- you know, Tazi's really kind of being oblivious to the the force use that Corel has her ability to kind of access it and and what it means for her as a person as a, and as a character so when when i see when tazi i should say sees Corel trying to go meet with tassar in private like he doesn't under like he knows that she is he gets the bad vibes off of tassar but he doesn't really get why Kao is so worried about it Corel and tassar do come back shortly after and join everybody which once again, makes Ko a little nervous. Ko does explain to everybody that the Incuri are basically there to invade, loot, and leave. They don't want to occupy anything. They just want to take what they want and leave. The crew was asked to stay. You guys were given nice rooms. You guys had no guards. Once everybody, or once Rafe and Tassar leave you guys, uh, Ko didn't want to have anything to do with being in the same room as Corel. Drama ensues. Oh, the drama came back. Yeah. Yep. And this is where Tazi called everybody back. <laughs> um, this this did feel like much more cathartic conversation though <laughs> this yeah there was a you know again we talk about the tension of the recording of the previous some of the previous episodes and this is a really good way for us to kind of resolve some of that tension tazi ends up trying to play peacekeeper between Corel and ko and also in the in the same time finds out just how badly he and his actions have also impacted Corel and and kind of again that obliviousness he thought he was being the the guy in the middle and it turns out he was actually involved in this way more than he thought there was a there was a big triangle of drama that mm-hmm. the characters all had and the players were aware of it but until this as you put it this cathartic scene ha- happened that basically took up the last half of the episode we even didn't quite realize how much emotion there was involved in it that how you know Corel how private Corel was how angry that it made her to feel like she didn't have a place that somebody else would take her place. And, you know, KO's paranoia about everything. 
I think we in that conversation, it came back down to, I think Tazi made a point of saying, you know, if we're going to go so far out of our way to help A1, you know, this droid that we literally just kind of welcomed into our group to try and, like, to try and be the, the thing that he wants to be or to follow his path, you know, what would make the character of Corell think that we wouldn't do the same thing for her? There was a, there was a lot of discussion on that point. We had uh, uh, some, some tears were shed. There were some voices raised in anger. Voices uh, raised in anger. Tazi was accused of being an alcoholic. Mm. Um, not far off the mark. Not a, yeah, that's true. I but know. I think at, at that point... Tazi's a high-functioning high functioning alcoholic for the most part. For the most part. Though I think at that point there was enough, there was enough emotion that had been shed that people were calm and there were some apologies. I mean, there wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, hugs. Uh, you know, it wasn't all hugs and kittens, but I think at that point we left it at a pretty good... We're going to try harder point. He did. That's where the crew really decided who was going to do what jobs on the ship, who was going to be responsible for what. Uh, You guys also discussed building the med bay. Uh, Again, though, it was just K.O., Corell, and Tazi. A1 was off doing his own thing, which then made Corell say, maybe we should see what A1's doing. And you guys called him. He said he was out shopping. And in that conversation, A1 did call Tazi captain which made Tazi a little choked up. The first time Tazi was called captain by anybody. By anybody. Um, I will say well, this is this episode highlighted one big thing for me as a player and then also something as a listener of, of other podcasts. And we had talked about it a long time ago was that we wanted to be able to tell a good story and we want, didn't want it to get too rooted or too too much into the, the comedy side of things. We wanted to tell a more serious tale in the Star Wars universe. And this episode for me highlighted the depth to which we would, as players would go to interact as our characters it happened it's happened before and it has happened again uh in later episodes but the the depths of the conversations and the depths of the interactions we'll take with the characters to me is is another function of like trying to to hit those points of making someone or giving someone the feeling that they're kind of listening like a fly on the wall to these discussions between these characters who exist in this world they're not you know they're not characters they're not cartoon characters you know, not everything is for, you know, a slapstick effect. And there are, there are very real consequences to the interactions we have together. We wanted to do a show, not a comedy review. Yeah. And that, True. And I think we've accomplished a lot. And yeah. Even as a gamer standpoint for myself, I think that kind of scene is such a necessary thing for gamers. Uh, too often we just start playing together and you don't really know who your character's backgrounds are and everything. And to really get it out like that. I think is an important step to being a cohesive group. Agreed. Especially in this format, you know, we talk about wanting to cover character arcs and we've talked about that stuff off mic before, you know, like how we want, how does this person's arc go and how does this person's arc resolve this character's arc and being able to kind of go move in between these things while trying to tell a larger cohesive story. Uh, it's not, it is a challenge, but it's also very fulfilling. And like this episode specifically episode one Oh five, was one of those episodes where I left that recording session like, wow, we really, we've got something. This is, this is something that I would be happy to listen to. I agree. And unfortunately, from a technical standpoint, episode 106 is a beginning of a low point for me. Mm. Um, I do the editing and, you know, I take care of the, the, the sound. And we started experiencing these odd audio glitches, these little popping noises in the later part of episode 106, I believe. And they kind of, they plagued us for a little while until we, I think five or six episodes until we 
until we replace that uh, that piece of faulty equipment. Again, the the plus side to our long recording sessions is that we get a lot of material. The downside is is that if something goes wrong, it's it's across a lot of material. Yeah. So we we ended up having one night that was bad of recording, but that gave us six episodes. Yeah. But talking about the episode itself, episode one hundred six, we're still on planet. If you're still on planet, this is where uh, you guys have just gotten up in the morning. There's a knock on the door, uh, and there's a Deveronian woman and a droid who you guys all looked at as just some sort of protocol droid that's more boxy-shaped and had red eyes. You guys later found out he was a general, which I was kind of surprised nobody asked more questions about a droid being a general. But uh, long story Separatists. short... Yeah. Who can tell? They basically wanted more information about the Yin Curry. And to get that, uh, the Deveronian woman, who called herself Darla, she actually hypnotized K.O., sending him back into the flashback again with the Padawan uh, being destroyed or being killed. And that flashback actually got a little more in-depth because that's when everybody identified that the Yin Curry, not only do they have the leaders and the warriors, but they have elite troops and shock troops, and within the warriors they have further uh, ranks. They can be denoted by painting their faces. This also is where we got a lot more of Ko's backstory and the fact that you know he was a security officer and he was assigned to this Padawan, and the Yun Curry basically killed this Padawan in front of him. And oh, the Yun Curry like completely decimated the squad he was in. Oh yeah, yeah. And we spent that actually was there was a lot of backstory in, involved in that episode. And that episode actually ended when Ko decided to call A One and see how he was doing. And that's when K.O. discovered that A1 did go shopping, but A1 forgot to ask for money. So he decided to go out and get money himself. And at the time, he was playing Sabak in a nightclub. And that nightclub, that's, that scene kind of ended with a firefight slash fight. So A1 was playing Sabak, uh, and a fight broke out in the background. And the last that K.O. really heard on the comms was A1 saying to a female, jump on, I'll save you. And then Blaster Fire, and that's where we ended the episode yeah. there. That led us to episode 107, where everybody, the crew decides to come back to the ship. They come back to the ship, and there's A1. Uh, he meets you guys right at the uh, landing platform. He's covered in glitter and smells like per- or vanilla perfume. Well, I, I believe it was coconut perfume. Yeah, it, it, it was, was coconut. coconat. It was okay. coconut. One of the two of you noticed that there was a Either coconut Either it was, smell. what smells like coconut, or it was, what smells like coconut? It was Tazi. Yeah. Well, it smells like coconut. Yeah, it was Tazi. Okay. So Tazi noticed that there was a definite coconut smell, but you guys also noticed A1 had built himself a little box that he had himself plugged into, and all of a sudden he had energy level and everything was That's going right. He was tweaking. Yeah. yeah. A1, A1 discovered tweaking. Yes. So he was running around going all crazy, uh, but all the parts to fix the ship were sitting there. He very specifically did not fix anything, which he was hoping would make Corel happy. Kind of, sort of, because I believe there was some grumbling about how much work she had to do, but there, no, no complaining about the fact he did it. So he felt like he was off the hook. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked a little bit more, like as a crew, like we talked about some of the things we had discussed in the, the, in night the previous before. episode, the night before. Uh, we didn't get into too much detail, I don't think, in that particular episode, because we had the, to decided to kind of go out and as a raise group. Raise a little hell. Raise Start a little trouble. hell. Yeah. Well, yeah, we decided to go to the co- bar. Not yet, because... KO tried to go back into one of the cargo holds, but A1 had a sign that said under construction. That's right. Oh, that's right. That's that right. led to a weird interaction because A1 kept saying, I have a surprise for you. 
And this is where we learn that Kale really doesn't like surprises. No, no, wait, no. Uh, we, as in Corel uh, and Tazi, learned that a long time ago. A1 didn't quite catch that. Not, not so much. Not, not right away. So eventually A1 does let Ko into the cargo hold, where the surprise is A1 was building a med bay there for him. And he had... A table. He, he had an exam table, but he also brought home a, we'll call her a model, to demonstrate to him how a, the table could quote, be used. A patient. Quote, uh, a patient, quote, yes. She was dressed in a Catholic school outfit as Every good patient should be working dressed. her way through college. Yes. Totally. And Ko escorted her out. Found out her name was Sapphire. I do believe somewhere in this episode also is where A One brought up uh, the requisition forms. I believe so. Yeah. You, yep. You made little badges of honor and yep. yeah. Yeah. We also there were uh, you handed there A One handed out uh, request forms, requisition forms for each of us based on our jobs and our titles. Which. Honestly, that was done by me to kind of break the tension a little bit at the table. I wanted to lighten the mood up and get some energy back. And it worked out really well because we, we were definitely a, falling into emo valley. There was yes. a little bit. Yes, we were. We definitely had a good time with that episode because that even led, I believe it was Carell who said, I'm going to go leave to raise some hell. Who wants to go not with in so, me? Not in so many words, but yes, it's... Well, I think we, it I, I actually, those exact words. <laughs> I actually... I'm trying to recall the way this went down. The idea, the idea was, I wanted to. We had kind of left Rafe and Tassar, you know, in kind of. We wanted to get more information about them. We didn't know how to go about it. We figured, hey, let's go raise a little hell, get some attention, a spotlight shown on us, see how they react. That's right. So that led to our first barroom brawl. Right. Well, A1 took you guys back to the bar where he was at the night before. My favorite bar name ever, Clive's Something. (laughs) Yeah, oh, that was the, the name Clive something. <laughs> oh, and then Clive uh, uh, wouldn't let us into the back room unless Carell promised to dance for him. Yeah, Truth. you, you uh, Truth. kind of got a, got a little slutty there for a well, second. For a little bit. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, she's not. No, no, she's I, not good at it. Though. Not dirty. Not. I wouldn't go even so well, far yeah, as to c- say coquettish. dirty. Yes. Ooh, excellent. <laughs> yes. Fifty cents she was, uh Carell was definitely using, taking advantage of her feminine wiles and the, you know the the worldview that Twi'lek women are somewhat exotic in the Star Wars universe and certainly used that to her advantage. Which got us into the back room where, you know, there's a little bit of a dance, you know, dance vibe. There's a stage, but there was a lot of gambling going on. K.O. decided to sit down and start winning at Sabacc. Well, he was trying to lose, wasn't he? Was, he? He, we, he tried to win. He, tr- he tried to yeah, lose. Yeah, he tried to lose. Uh, we failed at losing. Corell actually attempted to use the force a couple times on the dice, and we ended up being like 32,000 credits up. Yes, and I believe that's when A1 and, and KO decided to cash out. Yep. We did. And then... They the, didn't like us cashing out. Then the dance happened, which Carell started by swinging around a pole and kicking someone in the head, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think that was what actually started... I think the fight com- in, in, in combo started with it was the boys trying to leave with their money, and Carell... She force-tripped somebody who spilled drinks on the group. That's right. Yep. That's right. Yep. That's and right. So there was a big fight. In all, in all of our heads, we heard kung fu fighting play. <laughs> well, it really was. Except for Tazi, who, who was wandering around the edges of the fight, picking up drinks that were abandoned on tables and drinking. But but he had doing another the, job. Yeah. He had an important job. He made sure the jukebox was playing the appropriate music. <laughs> he did. Yeah, true. And you'll, if you will remember, Tazi was participating in the fight by by drinking, hitting people with bottles, and then you know, like uh, saying, "Hey, that guy swacked you. You should hit him back." And you know, helping. I, 
In the yeah. middle of this fight, you would see Tazi kind of just kind of looping through the room. Again, picking up drinks and doing his thing. Tazi was 100% loaded. 115 sheets to the wind by the time this fight was over. And the fight was over when an unseen force basically divided the people in the room in half down the middle. Yeah, like parting the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. And Tassar walked in and basically said, you need to come with me. Yeah. And that's where the episode ended. But... We picked right up from there on episode 108. The crew is brought back to the main Capitol building, taken to the top room where is Rafe's personal office is. Uh, it's a, an office that overlooked the city where the crew was uh, questioned about the bar fight. Darla did offer to help you guys uh, get over your anger issues. We, yeah. What anger I, issues? I mean, seriously. I got to say, as a listener, I never really figured out her role here. Is she just like a consort or she's a psychiatrist that just has hypnotism it always seemed like there was sexual overtones to everything she said she was trying to seduce and relax ko and hypnotize (laughs) him and trying to use that it was very freudian (laughs) but there was supposed to be some sexual tension she was trying to create um but as you guys are being questioned about the bar fight uh there was a press team that entered the room began prepping everybody to be on camera the crew reacted with some alarm and you guys did decline to be on the on camera except a1 he was more than happy to be the face of the group. That was three quarters, vote no. And Rafe uh, did agree to change plans and not have you guys on camera. He lied. He did, because he does do a speech about the in-Korea invasion uh, and how it was an example of how the Senate wasn't being effective anymore and the Separatists were helping and how the Separatists were much better. Near the end of the speech, he had the camera shift over to where the camera or where the crew was standing. Saying uh, how, you know, how these upstanding citizens helped the people of Randon. Yeah, K.O. and I both jumped off camera as quickly as possible, and A1 and Tazi were standing there. A1 popped up his little rubber hand and was waving. Yeah, and I believe Tazi uh, toasted the camera, so to speak, with his drink, and everybody understood it was just a big PR stunt that Rafe was doing by trying to use the situation to his advantage. Although this does start an important issue where Tazi really begins to feel like his ship's being exploited. Uh, He should. Which comes to a big head later on. (laughs) And then what happened next is after the press conference started winding down, uh, the crew started noticing several Yunkuri ships entering the atmosphere. Suddenly, Yunkuri attack. Yep. Not only entering the atmosphere, but coming in running very hot, as we called it. In other words, they jumped out of hyperspace way too late, and some of the ships didn't quite make it. Some did. Mass planet-wide invasion again. Uh, The crew's told, hey... We're going to get you to your ship, but you have to take these underground tunnels with us, which Rafe and Tassar led them through. Unfortunately, they didn't make it out completely unmolested. In the tunnel, the group did have to encounter four Yunkuri, three with the special red red painted faces, which we already knew were some type of shock trooper, and one that was wearing a helmet that was shaped like a skull and painted completely white. During that fight, we also noticed that Tassar, who had been carrying a staff, uh, turned it on and it became a lightsaber staff which I do want to thank uh, whoever it was that sent me a message and corrected me. I called it a force pike. It was not a force pike. That's something different. It's a saber staff or just a long-handled saber. I uh, jumped to a term that I didn't know. Uh, During the fight, Tazi, this was not typical for Tazi in a fight, but he did take a critical hit and got knocked down. Wait, did you say it's not typical? Because I'm fairly (laughs) sure it's pretty typical. Uh, it's it was not uncommon through even through our most recent episodes that Tazi is the character that takes the brunt of the hits. To be fair, even though, with even with the the advanced armor we've purchased for him and the 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 weightlifting better. he's done in his cockpit between missions. What, what weightlifting? <laughs> he's done a little. He's, he's done, done a little. He weighs a hundred pounds now instead of ninety eight. Yeah. 
To um, be fair, though, I mean, you took a critical hit, but so did actually. I didn't everybody except Ko because I know Corel took a critical hit in A one. Well, A one like, saw what was about to happen because the inquiry that knocked Tazi down was moving in to finish him off. And A one A one kind of did one of those little fast rolls and slow mo. No. <laughs> A1 thought he would be the savior, but all that really happened is A1 got hit hard enough that his leg got bent and had to be carried out of the battle. <laughs> we basically got out of that battle and claimed, climbed up onto the runway in time to start episode 109. Which you guys realized you had to carry A1. Mm -hmm. So you guys decided you were going to try to get a speeder, but since you were at a spaceport, you guys had to settle for a slower. We, we guys... thought it was, it was like a luggage carrier at yeah. an airport. <laughs> we thought it was a speeder. Unfortunately, it went about two miles an hour. Literally, KO carrying A1 could run faster than that vehicle. Could, but he could... would have been tired and sweaty, true, so true. stayed in the slower. And he would have complained. And uh, across the, the airfield, there were a number of like crow's nests, a, a number of like stations set up by the defenders to try and use the equivalent of Star Wars AA guns to knock some of these spaceships out of the sky. Nearby the slower as we were, you know, trudging down the runway, puttering down the runway, uh, one of those crow's nests uh, was blown up and uh, two of the Rusam troops were thrown into the path of the slower, to which Tazi had to quickly react. Both of the uh, the troops were badly damaged. Uh, Ko took a moment to kind of uh, kneel down and try and treat one of them at least. And then Tassar and leaped down on top of the other one and then kind of used the force to heal that one and mm -hmm. then looked at Ko. She gave she gave Ko the w creepy Wookie Poodoo eye. This one was special Wookie Poodoo yeah, eye Wookie though because the other the other eye had like this silvery iris sheen about it. It really freaked him out. The the eyes was a, a big thing for Ko because he really locked on to one eye has a red ring, the other one has a silver ring. He didn't really know what to make of that. Uh, also didn't really have time to think about it because you guys were still in a fight. Which you guys got to your ship. You knew you were, eventually. Yeah. Yep. You guys did have. To, you guys knew you were going to have to fight your way off planet. Yeah. Well, all, the hint was the inquiry started setting up all these anti anti ship weapons, so we're going to have to fight our way off the planet. We decided to do what we did best, and uh, that is strafing runs, which it turns out we actually do pretty well until you roll a despair. You know, sometimes like you do. Sometimes the ship lists a little bit when it's turning. It doesn't help that we got hit by a freaking proton torpedo that with too. two critical hits. That too. You guys got hit with power fluctuations and you were knocked off course. It also didn't help that K.O. noticed a group of Yin Curry heading towards an orphanage and he had to go save the orphans. Well, we I, hovered and you did some amazing piloting over that orphanage to keep us from falling on the orphanage. Yeah. Although <laughs> didn't little Timmy's tree get blown up? Little, yeah. The, the tree house did get exploded. <laughs> I'm sure it did. Yeah. But uh, because of the critical hits, uh, Corel had to go help fix up the ship, mm -hmm. which meant you only had one person on the guns. So A1 bravely decided he was going to try to help, but one leg Car didn't work. Corel had to jam him in the gun pod. <laughs> yeah, he had to That's slide right. himself on his belly to get back there. Mm -hmm. Corel had to jam him up into the pod and get him up there shooting. And that's when we noticed on the sensors that there was a, uh, a group of ships that had entered the combat that no one had ever seen before. To the savvy Star Wars canon listener, these would be vulture droids. And they decided to come in on the side of the Rusonians. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the Yin Curry started blowing up all around us. And, and Rafe said, please land. These are prototype ships. We're not sure they won't shoot you by accident. We landed very we landed quickly, quickly at that point. Yeah. And that brings us to episode 110. Back on planet. Rafe says, hey, you guys are welcome to stay. 
I'll help you fix your ship again. I'll help repair you. We have critical hits. <laughs> yep. He did offer to throw you guys in back the tanks, which Tazi took. Yeah, uh, all mm-hmm. of us took. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tazi especially. Uh, he yep. won't get an oil bath. He did. He was happy. Tazi even has a little golden drink. Uh, yeah, golden the, drink snorkel. Exactly. Yeah. They, they snorkeled me in the golden the golden drinks. Yep. And as you guys were having the conversation with Rafe, uh, Tassar rolled by on one of these super fast slowers. It had a Yunkuri on it that she had captured. And she did ask you guys if you wanted to help her interrogate, which you guys said no thank no, you. No thank you. Um, Initially. You we were hurting. I mean, everybody was bleeding at that point. It, you know, but yeah, you guys weren't really invested in what these Incurry were doing here at that point. That's true. We we wanted to kind of just yeah. we wanted to get off. Yeah, you planet. still wanted yeah, to we, get out of there. Yeah. yeah, there were a number of times the crew had actually discussed like we need to just get out of here. We need to just leave. And somehow, like the best types of plot points, we just kept getting pulled back in. You back in. Yeah. We, we I mean we ended up out of the back to tanks and healed, and then Rafe announced, "Hey, there's going to be a victory feast in your honor." Which then they kind of, well, they, they grabbed Tazi's attention by giving him his own Keg 1 droid. That thing was awesome. It was full of golden drink, and uh, he was in love with the droid, I'm pretty sure, at that point. And during- Imagine an astromech droid where the the uh, the whole body of the astromech droid is hollowed out like a big keg. And full of golden drink. Well, I mean, any drink you could, you would prefer, but uh, Tazi prefers the golden drink. Yep. And during the feast, Corel uh, was at, was asked by Tassar to come talk off to the side. Uh, she presented Corel with a box that had lightsaber instructions in it and also said, hey, there might be a clue to you getting a crystal on Tula. A very, very cold planet. It has seasons, so it's not always freezing cold. Sometimes it's just cold. Okay, have you met their people? I mean, they, they look like... Harry Wookies. Okay. We're going to get to that point. We'll get yeah. to that. We're going to get but there. But the, the interesting thing about the lightsaber instructions was it was much more of a mechanical method. Of, it would be like how a mechanic would build a lightsaber, not how what was taught in the jet, at the, the academy. That Less feeling your way through more. Here are the blunt instructions on how to screw part A into tab B. Yes. Tighten the bolts. Turn it on. Hopefully it doesn't blow up. Anyway. Uh, and that, that episode actually ended by Rafe coming up and saying to the crew, why are they in Curry chasing Corel? And dun, dun, my, dun. well, then I had my my normal you know episode closing comment of huh that was a great little noise. Uh, one other thing you guys did invent was turkeys. Turkey legs. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Gobbler legs. <laughs> Gobbler legs. Yeah. Uh, they, the victory feast was full of uh, the equivalent of turkey legs, and we couldn't true. decide what space you know creature would do that. So they ended up being turk uh, gobblers. I think is what we settled on. You mm-hmm. wanted turkeys, but we wrote that off as you being drunk. So we we ended up. I was gobbler. actually drunk when we were recording. So. I like yeah, and we can't fun. tell. It's very in character. <laughs> but, you know, that was a great... It's very method. Yeah. <laughs> it's very method. <laughs> yeah, Tazi was drunk and falling asleep in his chair. And he, I think he called the, the it's keg droid... It's a lot droid, like being on the cockpit. I think he <laughs> called the keg droid A1 a couple times. <laughs> he did. He hugged it. It was awkward. <laughs> yep. I, uh, Tazi, Tazi does indeed love that little keg one droid. But that brought us to episode 111, where we had to find out what the heck Rafe was talking about. Rafe basically told you guys that in his interrogation, or Tassar's interrogation, that the inquiry said they were chasing the, uh, you, where they were chasing Corel, a Twi'lek that had Force abilities, uh, which basically meant that Rafe was kind of outing her as a Force user Jedi, which I don't think at this point was a big secret to anybody. Corel had never, right never actually admitted it, though. So this, True. Was, this, was, this was kind of a point where she just like, <sighs> all right, I... I'll cop to it. So I believe at that point uh, that 
Corel and, and Kayo wanted to get more information out of the, the Yankori. So you guys, you two went into the other room to interrogate along with Rafe and Tassar, which left Tazi and A1 in Rafe's office. Uh, you were pretending to be <laughs> much you, drunker than you were. You, you were know, pretending to be asleep, and then A1 rolled in. And you opened your eyes, and he was staring at you. Yeah, well, that's not uncommon. He does that in the cockpit all the time. He does. Um, but what we did at that point was Tazi and A1 managed to break into Rafe's desk, albeit in, mess- in quite a, a messy fashion. Uh, we were not very stealthy about it, unfortunately. And find a lot of documents related to the Separatists, the, the PR plan that they had tried to rope us into, the fact that the Separatists at that point had known about the Inquiry attacks. There was a line in there that mentioned uh, that Rafe knows how the war is going to end, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was kind of shocking because what war? But at the same time, Carell and Ko were downstairs interrogating the Incurry. Ko quickly uses his truth serum because he doesn't want to waste time. We'll say he doesn't want to waste time. Through that conversation, they learned that basically the Incurry are told who to go after, where they're at, and basically they just destroy everything in their path. They did through some nice role-playing, convinced the Yinkuri to access one of the communication devices that they had. K.O. then bluffed through a conversation with the Yinkuri back on some sort of leadership planet. He did a great Yinkuri voice. Did you dub? Did you guys alter that at all? It's, I just had to ask because... Basically, Chris and Nate both did the Yinkuri voices. There's a little overlay, um, but it, they were both doing... They did a lot. Yeah. So. Good. Um, that's when they learned that, that basically Ko was told since he was pretending to be a Yin Curry, your next assignments go to Kashyyyk, talk to the human wearing black outfit and a dark robe, I believe it was, and that's when they decided to go. Rafe does at that point ask Ko to call Jenny because apparently she'd been calling calling everywhere looking for him, and, and he wasn't returning her calls on Ko the ship. Once again, said no. Uh, <laughs> Rafe does ask the crew to be allies. I believe the answer was no, thank you. That was a, that was a pretty unilateral no. Yeah, we did we did do. Some, uh, had to tell him off several times too. He, he kept yeah. at it. Well, that, this was like one of the first times. No, yeah, the the that the tell off came a little bit later in the episode. Yeah, um, because he initially asked us, and we were, we're kind of like, no, we want to do our own thing. We're kind of trying to stay as neutral as possible. Yep. I've, we've all got plans. We've all got things to do. Yeah, it was actually Rafe and Darla that tried to convince you guys later to join. That's uh, when the actual tell-off happened, like the whole Tazi, I'm done being a pawn, I'm done being played by you guys. And that that was kind of part one of that little rant, and it was to Rafe. That rant does come up later with a different person and ends quite differently. Shortly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's the point where, I mean... I, I think it's been pretty clear to even the listeners that, uh, you know, the the crew had been at sometimes witting, at sometimes unwitting pawns in this game that, that uh, Rafe was playing uh, with the Separatists. This is where we uh, did some shopping for our soon-to-be trip to the cold-weather planet of Tula mm-hmm. and uh, picked up some new armor uh, for everybody, actually. everybody Tazi got a flight suit. Yeah, everybody upgraded their armor at that point, actually. Uh, so we did we did our shopping. You, you had the Tassar and Corral did have another conversation. Uh, a little more specific about Tassar's views on the Jedi and their teaching. Uh, she believes that the Jedi are, are wrong and that they shouldn't uh, repress or suppress their emotions, that they should embrace them. And she tries to convince Corel that using her emotions is the right way of using the Force, because the Force is just the Force. It's how you use it that makes it good or evil. 
which actually conflicted Kurel a little bit because she can see that point of view. The Force is a, it's like a weapon. It's like a blaster. It's neither good nor evil. It's the intention of the user behind it. So she can kind of see that point, but the way of the emotions was very foreign to her. So she basically debated it, but they left it as agreeing to disagree at this point. I think Tassar was still, I have hope that you will eventually see the light. She did, mostly because she also leaves you with one little piece of advice, which was, next time you see a Jedi, ask about the death of another Jedi at the hands of Darth Maul, which has never been explored. No, it hasn't. But you guys all know what happened to that Jedi. That leads us to episode 112, where we leave Rusan. Well, we start to leave Rusan. You guys leave, You guys you know, left Rusan. I, we, we do start to leave Rusan, and then it turns out that K- A1 has a surprise... Well, Carell overheard him talking to people in the uh, oh, that's in the, in that, the, uh, yes, dining that's right, that's right. A one has a surprise for us. Technically, it wasn't a one surprise. A one happened to hear something in the smuggling compartment. He happened to be talking to said person. Carell happened to hear it and happened to wander in, and we found that uh, we found Sapphire, Sapphire and her little daughter were stowed away on the ship. We didn't know she had a daughter, and we in one of the in know. one of the few smuggling compartments on the ship. Which Carell actually only knew about one of them at that point. And that true, was it. true. Well, one of the seven. I believe that conversation led to a pretty, uh, pretty strict rule of uh, a one letting the letting the crew know when people have come on board the ship that are not part of the crew. He was he when, was blamed for it. He tried to say, "Hey, I was getting healed. They were fixing the ship. Somebody had to get in and out. Not my fault. Maybe you should blame the security officer." We didn't have a security officer. That's when we decided to make Ko the security yeah, officer. True. But what you guys also learned about Sapphire is... I also took away uh, his little overcharging box. Yep. Uh, he, he was not allowed to use mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. His punishment. Yep. But you guys learned that Sapphire's real name is Jana, and that her daughter's name is Tara. And actually, when Tara went to get out of the smuggler's compartment, she just jumped right up and out. Force jumped. Force out. jumped. We've seen that before. Carell had a had a long discussion with Janna. It turns out that Tara's force abilities manifested uh, during a bit of a home invasion before when her father was killed. And uh, the young girl basically force pushed the guy who killed her father out the window of a 10-story apartment building, defenestrating him. And that's when Tara decided she wasn't going to speak ever again. Janna actually ended up becoming an exotic dancer named Sapphire to support Tara. We arrived at the blockade, I believe, shortly after that, uh, greeted by a new Jedi, um, a Chiss named Thal. Yes. Thal uh, Sereno. Which was odd and set off all of K.O.'s paranoia detectors. We actually left him on the ship, so it was just us with Jenna and Tara, mm-hmm. and Carell looked and went, hey, look, a new Jedi. Hey, look, here's these people we found, and here's what happened on our mission, blah, 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 blah. We did We did kind of open up to... Uh, Ka- to kind the, of? Carell, Carell, I'm just saying. It's a Jedi. Carell trusts them. I think at that point, the Jedi could have asked you any question. You guys were like, yes. Yeah. Yes, I stole my dad's beer when I was younger. Well, and to be fair, what came out later is Carell knew this Jedi. A little bit. But at the time, yeah, K.O. was... Well, you know, the Terran Jenna doesn't don't actually trust the Jedi, and they'd been told by someone, that we find out later, uh, that they are evil. And that was we find out that that was Tassar teaching them. And the compromise was that everybody agreed that Tara and Janna would stay with Jenny, which Jenny felt really good about because she's doing something for K.O. And that brought us to episode 113, where we headed back to the ship, and we told K.O. about everything that's going on. 
and Ko blew up at us. We got a long speech about how we shouldn't tell everyone we meet everything we're doing and that we need to be more careful. Occasionally. Uh, A1 was also asked to slice into the capital ship's computer because you guys were curious about what happened to Master Ray's, the original Jedi. Uh, you guys found out that he disappeared the day after you guys left the blockade the first time. Turned out that somebody sliced into the computer, turned off all the systems, uh, an escape pod was jettisoned, and nobody knows where that escape pod went. Nobody asked about it after that. Well, we we did. We came to this. We figured out that the... Look, you uh, know what? We can't follow up on every story point every time they come up. We have to leave things we can go back to. Yeah. And to be fair, that we, we kind of we worked it out and through, you know, figuring things out, Nakam's Razor, that... Uh, science. The pod must have been picked up. Yeah, science. The pod must have been picked up, and the only ship in the area was one called the Domino. Well, you guys put that together because A1 well, said, A1, yeah, he... I've worked with the Domino before, and we have, I believe he said something along the lines of, procured items by going out an escape pod. And this was our modus operandi. We did this exact same thing, and this is what may have happened to this guy. Yeah. Yep. So that's how we kind of drew those lines together. From there, you guys decided to go right down to Kashyyyk. Well, at that point, people are sending the inquiry after me to kill me. I want to know why, and the dude who knew was on Kashyyyk. You hoped. You guys could not get directly to the cave. You had to get some speeders. Which we accidentally stole. A1 but, was so proud. But inadvertently we, took without paying for, I that, believe, was Tazi's description. That's yes. true. We called <laughs> inadvertently back. took without paying for. But we called and had A1 wire the, wire the rental company some money, which he did. Did well, we confirm that he actually did that? No, you did not. <laughs> we we trusted. We should have verified, but we trusted. Don't go back to Kashyyyk. No, <laughs> uh, we did. We're heroes find, and criminals. <laughs> we did. We finally found the cave, which led to. We decided to hide the speeders, which went wonderfully for Corel, who rolled a triumph. Uh, unfortunately, she had used every bit of brush and concealment capability in the area, leaving Tazi and Ko with a stick each to place on the seats of their. Sl- Tazi had three leaves, a rock, and two sticks. He thought that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you were pretty proud. K.O. just had the one stick. So. He made a little smiley face on the seat of the speeder. It was pretty cool. <laughs> we ended we ended up going into this cave because that's where the that's where it led us. Mm-hmm. There was this uh, blindly into a cave that's never been bad for anyone. Well, we, and there was a lot of discussion about how bad this of an idea this was. K.O. of course leading the paranoid parade again. Mm-hmm. No, never. Well, then there was that big thing. We got attacked. There was this that big, big Kale, thing. Kale heard a rancor. <laughs> Kale, Kale, well, we didn't. It wasn't a rancor. It, it looked like it one. It sounded it, like it, a rancor. Yeah. <laughs> it's a terror attack. Is what I, how you believe you say it? It's similar to a rancor. It's got some angrier, uh, a little angrier. It's got some different uh, looks to it. But and I believe in Star Wars canon, they absolutely hate force users. They do. They do. Uh, uh, which meant it came charging right at us. But Corolla had actually been kind of stealthing, so it actually came charging right at Kale. Uh, actually, I believe it. Did it go after K or did it go after uh, everybody else's favorite target? Little column A, little column B. <laughs> no, I, I, believe, I believe it went after KO first. It did. Because you then froze up right behind oh, yeah. KO. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. KO took a bite out of it. Corell came up behind it and smacked it with a little staff. I think if the, I remember, you the, guys took it pretty pretty handily it, for its it size. Was, <laughs> yeah, the next round, KO shot it again. Corell well, clubbed it again. Between, between Corell's, you know staff work and the the gun of doom yes. <laughs> that KO is wielding saved you guys more than a couple sets, times <laughs> sets every if when you positively absolutely have to set a room on fire call KO except no substitutes <laughs> I, I just remember at the end of that fight that thing coming down and its head slamming into the ground right at Tazi's feet and Tazi just kind of standing there trembling mm-hmm. 
I would too. At least you didn't get hit. One of the few times he had wished that that flight suit had not had the uh, the internal fluid tanks converted to hold golden drink. Yeah. <laughs> Which we did not hear about that till later. Yes. Yeah. You guys did kill it. Uh, you guys began traveling a little deeper into the cave. That's when Corel fell to her knees. She started screaming. Ko could feel uh, the fear that was coming from Corel, and all that Corel could see was two brown eyes and a voice that just simply said, "Come to me, child." And that's where we ended up on episode one thirteen, coming right into episode one fourteen, where she kind of came to her senses and said, "Something's waiting for us. Let's go." And Ko said, "Something's down there. Let's go back." There was a bit of an argument, which led to Corel arguing while walking backwards through the tunnel and trying to draw everybody into. The- Yep. Guess 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 what? That worked. It did work, <laughs> even though you guys called me on my bullshit. You just did it anyway. Yeah, yep. And as you were backing up, A1 did make a calm call to Tazi to say, Hey, Rafe sent some reinforcements. I got ten of those new fancy vulture droids floating around here. I feel safe. Which made you guys all say, What? I'm confused even more. Mm-hmm. And then we walked into this cavern. We passed a couple of what we now know are Magna Guards, these big droids that were carrying electrostaffs. And we were greeted by a very regal-looking, gray-haired, brown-eyed man who we recognized as Count Dooku. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. That's that's true, up. ladies and gentlemen. Our episode 114 is our first celebrity appearance. <laughs> Dooku actually welcomed us. Seemed very unsurprised at, at our arrival, uh, which you know, since he had sensed Corral, it didn't. There is no surprise to him. No. And we basically said, what's going on? And he explained that the Yankuri were sent by him to Rusan to test their new droid army. All he has to do is point, tell the Yankuri there's a force user here, and they're going to go try and kill it. So He actually originally sent, and he told you guys this, he sent them to Randon to kill a senator and a Jedi. While they were uh, there, they found out that Corell was there and that you guys were headed to Rusan which is where he then said, well, let's test the army, and sent them to Rusan. Rusan and Rafe and Tassar knew the attack was coming. And this was all part of their larger PR campaign for the yep. Separatists. It was, because then he could say, look, we saved Randon, they attacked us, we drove them off, we have the superior forces, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. That's part of their plan, which really hasn't come out in the story. This is where it kind of boiled over, I think, a bit for Tazi. Yeah, I would 100% agree. Uh, I think Dooku kind of echoed Rafe and tried to get you guys to join again. Yeah, he straight up asked us, so, do you want to work for us? And that was when Tazi just straight up walked up on Dooku and poked him in the chest. <laughs> I, I can only say that Tazi did not realize at the time the personage who he was talking to. Tazi had heard of Dooku, obviously, but had not realized who he was actually dealing with. Karel um, and Ko, however, were like, what are you doing? They were well aware. No one warned Tazi, but Tazi also did not give them time. True. Um, Tazi walked up to Dooku, put his finger in his chest, and basically said, I'm, we're done with your crap, we're done with your games, leave the Kralitz Fang alone, we want nothing to do with you. And then he turned to walk away. And Dooku's like, well, all right, we're, you know, if you're not willing to work for us, you know, he basically tried to talk us back around, and that's when Tazi did his second most unexpected action what of was the that? entire podcast. Yeah, shot Dooku. He oh. turned around, quick drew, and just shot Dooku. Tazi did successfully hit Dooku. He did, but Dooku also did nothing to defend himself. True. Unfortunately he, he, for Tazi's his aim weapon. was true. 
Fortunately for Tazi's weapon, Dooku then ripped it out of his hands. Oh yeah, uh, if you've you, if you've ever seen someone crush a beer can with no effort, that's pretty much what Dooku did to Tazi's pistol. Well, I, I tried grabbing it out of the air with the force and stopping it, but yeah, that was not really effective. So it it did get crumpled and crushed into the mm-hmm. ground. At that point, Dooku said, "We're done. Please get out. Leave." <laughs> and he force pushed us all down the hallway. Pretty much, <laughs> he did. And at the same time. Well, not the same time. We headed back to the speeders at that yeah, point. You guys were headed back to the speeders. At least we're alive. Which, at that point, the camera shifted over to A1, who, if you guys have learned, if you leave A1 alone, he gets bored. We haven't learned that. I wouldn't say bored. Apparently he just, not. <laughs> he wants to do something, and he decided to start playing around with uh, the communications. He sliced into the transmission, and he was just trying to figure out what the droids were saying, these ships. But instead, somehow he ended up intercepting a, mis- a communication between... Uh, Dooku and Tassar, where Dooku basically said, you know, I'm done with the Krowlitz Fang, you're done with them, the Duro shot me, if I can't have this one, I want the other one. Which, Ewan didn't completely understand that, but he noticed that Tassar didn't want to say anything to begin with, but Dooku said, you and Rafe have an agreement, Rafe works for me, therefore, I want to know where she is, and that's when the communication basically cut out. We came back on the speeders um, and, you know, headed back. Unfortunately, A1 didn't bother telling us about this transmission. Not for a very long time at that point. In his defense, he didn't understand the importance of it. And he, there was part of him that was nervous that he would You'll get You'll notice in Chris trouble. says, in A1's defense, <laughs> quite a lot. Yeah, that, that does happen a lot. However, we get ready, we get buttoned up, get ready to leave. And Tazi has been quiet the whole ride back. And uh, Carell actually heads up to the cockpit where he's sitting, and he's just staring at a flask in his hand. You said it was uh, covered with Derosian script, right? Mm, that's correct. It's a, It was a, a flask that Tazi had actually gotten from a compartment on the ship. His father's flask. Yeah, it was left actually in a compartment under the, uh, under the dash in the cockpit, under the, the control console. So on the flask was a list of names in Drosian, and it was basically a hand-me-down flask to the family so you could see generations of the, the different Drosians who had had it, and, uh, and then my father's name was the last on the flask. Carell was actually very startled then because Tazi said, why don't you plot us a course, told her and A1 to take them out as he went mm-hmm. back to his quarters that he doesn't normally sleep in. Well, there was also a really nice moment there where Carell noticed Tazi and gave, tried to give him her pistol. Oh, yeah. I and Tazi kind of put I, his hand on hers, and that was, I think, really a nice little scene right there. That was You, a, that, you guys kind yeah. of connected a little bit. That was a good connection moment for Carell and Tazi. Um, Carell, well, she felt a little responsible because she couldn't save Tazi's gun. So, uh, uh, And this, she actually thought that he, that's what he was upset about and thought that would help. <laughs> it, not quite realizing the depth of right. what was going on. Mm-hmm. That, that, this was another big episode for me as a listener. You guys, I think, took it to another level. That whole thing with Tazi and Dooku, that blew me away. I did not see that coming at all. None of us did. And I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Neither did I. I, I did. <laughs> when, I, he, I, when he did that, we're all like, what? Yeah. <laughs> we are so dead. That, um, that was a really, I think, a great scene that that whole last part that whole last half of that episode was was just amazing this episode also gave as a as a as a player it gave me an opportunity to pull back to tazi's reasoning for being on the ship in the first place and kind of the familial part of this because unfortunately to I'm, for my character and for me as a player most of the stuff regarding my character's backstory happened on the episode that no one will ever hear 
So a lot of the story we've been able to tell had been about Corel and had been about had been more about Ko, and the flask piece. And and you know, there's a journal that that comes up in a, in a later episode as well, like a kind of a logbook. Those are pieces that let, allow Tazi to harken back to the reasons he's on the ship, the reasons he's that Ko and Corel are even here in the first place, like this this kind of thing that happened and and the the repercussions of all these things that are happening basically you know the character went from having a sh- no ship to having a ship to having a ship that was used by slavers and in trying to clear his name ends up just being a pawn in everyone else's game much like he felt his father was before him and repeating the mistakes of your your parents deeper character drama you know those types of things so it was a good episode it was a good uh, for as a player it was a good experience for me but then also the way Kendall played Corell and the way Corell came in at the end and kind of and, and bridged that gap uh, between player and player and character and character to, to kind of reach out with Corell and and again with all of the kind of conflict that has been going on in the past episodes the few past episodes it was really a nice a really nice moment between the two characters and it was really I got to give Kendall credit it was really well done I didn't anticipate that at all that was something that just kind of happened in our in the play there was there was so much introspection and like I mean, at the table we could actually kind of feel almost depression coming off of mike at the where he was playing tazi so it, it really lent itself well to a warm moment which we'll, we'll screw up again here in, in the very next episode <laughs> uh at the beginning of the very next episode we'll get to that in just a second yeah but uh you know he he headed off to his quarters you know told us to take his ship out which we did. We mm-hmm. didn't run into anything, but Carell and Ko then had a little bit of a discussion about, you know, we're worried. You know, everybody's worried about him. He's not acting normal, and we just kind of, kind of left it there as we headed on towards uh, Tula. A couple you, days later, we came out of hyperspace. You guys got to Tula. You landed. You met your first whippet. We got in our winter jammies first. You did. You had to put on all that survival gear. I, I got some cool goggles with giant eyes. It's true. That apparently you said were impossible to find. They, Way back, however many episodes ago, <laughs> they uh, were hard to find. Yeah, we had uh, Stellar eBay. There were only like two sellers. I mean, you guys realized that uh, you had to buy a speed, or you didn't have to buy a speeder. You needed a speeder to get out to where you were. Tazi haggled an amazing deal, and we ended up getting a speeder, which you know only works in cold weather. Hey, you know, why why rent that. when you can buy? It, it's true. I can modify it later. We just don't go to Tatooine. It will overheat, and we will have nowhere to go. You guys were told by several people, get a guide, because it's rough out here, and people didn't want to say necessarily you're city slickers and you'll die out in the cold, but that was kind of the general undertone. You guys decided to go to a bar. I believe you called it the cold front. There, yeah, <laughs> yes. the cold front was one of them. Originality strikes again. <laughs> because, well, uh, this was another moment where you guys said, hey, let's go to a bar, when I wasn't expecting it. So I said, sure, what's it look like? And you guys created a cool bar. Imagine uh, imagine the fortress of solitude that serves alcohol. Inside of an airplane hangar, exactly. Inside of an airplane hangar. Yeah. That's where we met a uh, whippet named Dorn, uh, and we hired him as our guide. He, uh, gave, he gave me like a shopping list because we wanted to leave soon, mm-hmm. and Corell walked out to go get supplies while the boys were having a drink. So she missed the very next conversation, which... The, luckily, this, she missed the very next conversation. Luckily, yeah, yeah. Well, this episode ends by a whippet just very calmly walking up to, to Kale and basically saying, how much for your slave? And he said, say what? Basically, and the episode ended. 
Which brings us into episode 115, where... We pick right back up at that very scene. Fight right. number two. <laughs> right <laughs> back up. Hey, don't give it away. Oh, sorry. sorry. Some people haven't heard them yet. We are doing a recap of all the episodes, aren't we? I know. Isn't that's what we're that doing. That's what this is. Hey, we're yeah. getting close. We're getting close. Yeah. Chris had one of my favorite lines of all time when we recapped that. It's like, she has her own pole. What? Yes, that's right. That's right, though. Whippet he did say she, that. In his mind, the only Twi'leks he's met. Wait, are, are you the, defending the Whippet now? Yes. Oh. In his defense, <laughs> he he only thing he saw was Twi'lek dancers. Uh, Ko didn't react too calmly to that question. No, no, not at all. Um, Tazi tried his best to keep Ko from you know doing something he would regret but tazi apparently is very bad at persuasion i i can i can blame the dice all i want to but at the end of the day tazi failed to keep ko calm well and you knocked hot calf into his lap that was really i wasn't going to mention that but yes in the process of trying to keep ko calm tazi dumped a hot drink in his crotch were you going to mention that tazi then stood up and proceeded to intercept Ko's fist with his you face. You say intercept. I say I say Cradle? tried to save the day. <laughs> Tazi really tried to get you know get ahead of Ko's punch. He got uh, a head in the way yeah. from the dice from the yeah. dice standpoint cuz I need to we should stand up for the dice every once in a while. Ko in the missed. defense of the dice. <laughs> Ko missed. Wasn't me this time. And punched Tazi in the face. And broke my fancy goggles. And you went down on the floor like a sack of hydrospanners. <laughs> Tazi's roughly 100 pounds soaking wet. Uh, Ko is a, a fairly muscular, fairly well-built former army security military. Mil- military. You know whatever he did. Well, and that big burly guy proceeded to beat up this. Poor Whippet, to be honest this, with you. He was well, trying to get out of the situation. He's like eight and a half feet tall, 500 pounds. Uh, more and, than that. But and uh, KO beat the snot out of he him. He was backing up going, hey, 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 I don't want to fight. And he got beat up. Speaking of poor Whippet, once Corel returned. Uh, hey, I, I didn't know any of this. I was across the, uh, the street buying supplies. And then I did something nice. And I went and bought Tazi a replacement blaster. Partially because then I'd get my blaster back, but also to be nice. So I came back and handed Tazi this plain brown no, box. No, you woke Tazi up first. Uh, yeah, because well, so I went up on the ground and right at true. the table. It's like, a- a- what the hell's going on? You guys were, you know, like the tables turned over and everything, and Carl hands you the box. It's like, what's going on? And A1 then goes, oh, it was great. He defended your honor. See, I will tell you. Yeah. Corel. I, I will tell you, this scene actually was one of my favorite parts to play A1 because I got to really Watch Nate's reactions playing KO. Because first, Tazi, A1 wakes Tazi up. Tazi says, what happened? And A1 oh, just know, says, Captain. KO punched you. <laughs> and as a player, Nate's like, what? Well, the best part was you you told A1 goes, oh, I'll tell him what happened. And KO's like, all right, you make up the story. And A1 just straight out says, you got punched in the head, Captain. <laughs> and then when Corral comes back in and A1's like, I got this one. Kale's like, no, 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 no. He's like, ah, oh, I got it. He defended your honor, and it was glorious. There was 10 of them, and, and tried to make this grand story up, but A1's not a storyteller, so it was obviously a bunch of BS. And then it finally came to light that the Whip had offered to buy Corel as a slave. Tazi, not one of the best decisions he made, but again, Tazi was still a little bit woozy from getting clocked in the face. But you weren't so woozy to have, your reaction time was great, because Corel immediately turned and was storming over to where the Whip was being picked up by his friends, and had a 
foot back, about to kick him in the ribs. And then uh, Tazi summoned up what we have now come to refer to as Tazi's dad, dad voice. voice. <laughs> um, dad voice. Oh, uh, a combination of uh, dad voice and a wonderful dice roll um, uh, allowed me to at least stop you from pummeling that poor Whippet to death. It's true, and I, I, Carell was so mad about that. And one of my favorite, one of my again favorite lines from this episode is, "It's like you're trying to you're trying to kick him when he's down. It's like that's the best time to kick him." Yes, that was <laughs> yes one of Carell's better lines so in the mad. recent episodes. Letting her dark side shine through a little yeah, bit, <laughs> and she ended up just storming off and slammed the door to the bar, which was shocking to all of us. Because yeah, not was, really no. No, no. To the patrons, maybe. And ended up sitting in the speeder and waiting for everybody else. Corell is very, very good at storming off and slamming things. Yes. Absolutely. Do you guys loaded up the speeder after that? You mm-hmm. guys headed out towards the temple, which you guys oh, had and, to... Yeah. And A1 continued to try yes. and talk or bridge this this confusion gap between what Kale was really doing and defending Corell's honor. And it was it was a great thing to do. And Corell was having none of it. Didn't, didn't Tazi also buy Corell a new blaster at that point to yes. try and make make amends a little bit? That's true. Tazi you did, did run down the street. Yeah, Tazi, Tazi in in well, he had to get another set of goggles. Uh, <laughs> so Tazi went back down the street to the supplier and and picked up another pair of goggles. But in the in in the process, also got a replacement blaster for you. So Tazi did not give you your gun back. Tazi gave you a replacement that's a, that was exactly like the gun you had, except it had a little more, more kick. Yeah. Yep. And that was his his way of, of saying thank you for the nicety that you had given him on the ship. And that calmed things down a little mm-hmm. bit on the speeder ride. Yeah. So. yeah. Which, second day of the speeder ride, you guys get attacked by the snow demons, which you guys very handily got rid of them. Uh, you got all- no, there was a lot of driving around and people hanging out of windows. That, that <laughs> happened a lot. And damaged, yeah. damaged doors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah so, but we didn't really fix. get hit much. So it the was- speeder took a little bit of a beating. It did, but it, it soldiered on nicely. Um, Carell did explain to everybody that the closer they get to uh, their goal, the temple, uh, the more raw energy from the force she feels and the more, quote, white noise she could feel. It was really distracting. So she was, she found herself just kind of like staring into space occasionally and just missing bits of the conversation, which didn't help Awan, who was still trying to convince her that Ko had stood up for her honor. Well, actually, at one point, Ko or Awan was told that the Ko Carell love thing wouldn't work so i believe he said hey tazi did you see did you see and i think that's when it was told that's not going to happen either so Mm -hmm. a1's now a little lost as to who he's going to hook ko up with because that's one of his side goals uh you guys did uh make it to the temple there was a lot of complaints though tazi and ko spent a lot of time complaining about the cold tazi mostly because he kept on i'm so cold it's like okay you have a heater but tazi didn't know that and tazi is also again 100 pounds you didn't read the manual I didn't get a manual. You could have downloaded one off the holonet. Anyway, could ask anyone to print one up. And that's also, unfortunately, when we found out <laughs> about his... Coulda, shoulda. <laughs> that's when we found out about his reuse of the waste reclamation system in his suit. Hey, you know, Tazi's not an engineer, but he did see a very good opportunity staring him in the face. Actually, at about mouth level. We ended up having this argument almost all the way to the steps of the temple where we had to break a lot of ice to get into it. it took a couple hours i believe we ended up getting inside and resting but uh i Carell's... think ko cut down a lot of that time with with a with a, a bit of the use of super flamethrower he tried but he would have ran out of fire yeah. beforehand we ended up getting into the building and Carell was even more distracted because there was just so much potential energy in the air 
And I mean, that hall was filled with, you know, the remains of what appeared to be a giant battle blaster fire and, yep. and what, uh, Carell would, would note that there were, and, and Kale also, there were obvious lightsaber cuts into the floors and walls and. Yep. You guys noticed you know. that there were blaster shots going in and lightsabers defending. So yep. And even was, the main double doors had been blown off their hinges at that point. Yep. And that led us to episode 116 or 116. Where, Which led back into more complaints from Tazi because he turned off his heater again. Well, I, hey, we complained about your complaining, but that's when we figured out your ulterior motive. Yes, which was that the golden drink is much better when it's cold. And turning the heater and the suit on heats up the drink. I mean, and if you die of hypothermia, no one wants to drink, drink uh, warm drinks. Nobody likes, nobody likes room paradox. temperature stuff. <laughs> we decided to let that be and found that uh, A1 was standing in a corner waving at a deactivated camera. There were quite a few of them lying around, actually, but there's no power in any of the buildings, or in any of the buildings that we could find. That's when K.O. hears the first time of the, help me, voice, and he heard that a few times. Only he heard that, though. Only he's the... Well, A1 also heard it. Not yet. Not yet. It was just... Yeah, that was... It started out with just K.O. having that experience, and then I think a few minutes later, Tazi saw, like, moving, a shadow moving that no one else saw. But again, it was very indistinct. It was just, like shadow there was even uh one part you saw the shadow and you you actually cracked off a blaster shot into one of the corners I did. which freaked the rest of us tazzy tazzy did uh oh yeah i i honestly believe 116 is our best episode because we had there were little bits of humor very little bits of humor but there was a lot of suspense there was there was a bit of we were going through a haunted temple exactly there was a bit of uh there was a bit of that suspense a bit of that um darkness as you know, we were trying to figure this out and you know, a lot of our adventures in the past, a lot of the episodes we'd had dealt with pretty direct threats, pretty like we had people were attacking us directly or like a bar fight or, you know, these types of things. This was the first time where a lot of the stuff we were dealing with was kind of in, was incorporeal. It was tenuous. It yeah. was tenuous. It was, it was, it was uh, perception based. It was, it was not a physical threat that was standing in front of us that we could do anything about. Right. Uh, and that kind of, that trickled through the entire episode. It was, it was fun. Fun yeah. to play for sure. Absolutely. Uh, that, that led the uh, group to really talking to Corell about where they are, why are they there. Uh, Corell explained that this is a temple that was used in the past by uh, Force users that were neither Jedi nor Sith. Uh, they were believed in the unifying Force theory. Uh, sometimes they call themselves the Potentium Force users. And that she was looking for records and materials that might help her find a lightsaber crystal. So we once we got everything powered up, we started looking through the records on the computer stuff in the uh, in the power area, and we actually found a I think it was a one found a recording of Republic forces storming the front doors, and they were led by a pair of lightsaber wielding Jedi. One of which looked like a very young Count Dooku, and the other one was kind of long hair, a little bit of a beard. We couldn't figure out who he was though. Literally tried for yeah. hours yeah. to try and figure out who this person yeah. was, the and, dice, and it wasn't a very us. young Dooku. It was, uh, he was still probably in his early 50s. Because when you guys met him, he was in compared his early us, 70s. Compared to now, though. I mean, yeah, it was about 20 years before. You know, A1 and, and Tazi uh, had gone and uh, done a little bit of uh, exploring, too, I believe, um, in some of the, the personnel areas, the quarter areas. Yeah, we split the party at that Yeah, point. we did. We split the party. Bad idea. And uh, <laughs> uh, in the process of that, um, Tazi found a room that, uh, that A1 had noted there was a hidden compartment in. In trying to open the hidden compartment, Tazi, again, uh, not 
uh, doing the best with his slim, slender fingers, uh, triggered what appears to be some kind of trap that then fried out a one and left him completely unharmed. Um, it just it roached a little bit of his memory. He didn't remember anything since basically we had left uh, Kashyyyk, I believe. He lost a couple days of memory, but he also... Roughly a, seven episodes. <laughs> he also is a... Uh, extra benefit to it he was then able to hear the same voice that ko was hearing not just that voice but other voices indeed indeed uh, again unbeknownst to tazi at the time tazi was able to get the compartment open uh after shocking out day one and uh upon opening the compartment and seeing some of the pictures in the room he realized that the um the room actually belonged to tassar the pictures that he found uh, appeared to be of tassar with uh, a male and then also what appeared to be uh possibly her child. Uh, the compartment for the lightsabers also contained three lightsaber indentations, two regular sized and one w- that would have been possibly for a, a child-sized lightsaber. Uh, Tazi took the picture, folded it up for, for Corel for later But later kept the frame to sell. Yeah, I did. I, Tazi's, Tazi's was going through the rooms to try and find things to sell because he's a pragmatist. And, uh, you know, this ruin was possibly filled with things that might be worth money. Carell and Kao, however, had gone upstairs to the secure. They had rechecked the main floor, the kitchens, didn't find anything. Uh, they did find a shattered lightsaber at one point. Carell uh, actually questioned whether or not that the voices were coming from the lightsaber, going so far as to shake it next to Kao's tentacles, but he didn't feel anything except a little bit of disdain at that point. Uh, so they ended up going to the security room on the main floor, which then were joined by A1 and Tazi right shortly thereafter. Right outside the security room door, though, there was this large blast door that was ice-encrusted. We couldn't get it open without a lot of work, so we kind of bypassed it for the moment. We found more video in the security room, and this video showed the exact same video as before, but there was more to it, including the fact that at the back of the Republic forces, a young Senator Rafe was the one giving commands to the Jedi and the Republic forces. The video feed also showed those same Jedis, but uh, again, we weren't able to figure out who the second Jedi was. I'm going to be honest, this amused me, because you guys tried every possible way to identify this guy. And I just was like, builds. Yeah, the roles I, got more and more obscure. <laughs> I, and it just entertained me, because I was like, I know as players I've described this very tall, skinny, bearded guy, long hair, obviously the apprentice to Dooku, and, oh, I'll roll. Nope, I didn't get it. Eventually, you guys did. Well, We've never actually, we, we had not tried for a piece of information that hard through this entire production. Yep. K.O., though, got really frustrated with us going through the same video over and over again, so he wandered out into the hall. Mm-hmm. And looked at the blast door and said, I have a flamethrower. This is ice. I got this no problem. So he blasted it open. Now, down to be clear, Kale was getting frustrated by the by not being able to figure out who this person was. But Kale also continued to hear voices saying, hey, come here. Come out to this doorway. <laughs> they Look did at not, this. however, sound like Kermit the Frog. They did not. They, <laughs> it was more like, hello, over here. Is it me you're looking for? Exactly. He actually got enough of the ice melted that he opened the door, mm-hmm. and inside he saw something reflecting light, like a little star almost, in a shadowy female form. When that door opened, I mean, literally, it's a wall of ice to the outside. Oh, yeah, multiple and feet And so light is just shining through this wall, and, and you know, I think uh, in his own words, like he said he seemed saw what appeared to be like a star shining in the middle of this ice wall. Mm-hmm. And that's when he heard the voice say, Matthew, go get her. And then he's like, uh, no. And he closed the door. Yeah. In typical KO fashion. It's like, ah, not me. Cool. Shuts the door. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> not for me. It's for you. At that point, you found the second video with uh, Tassar. 
So that second video that we found showed Tassar defending some younglings with her own saber, and you know, obviously to to no avail. The battle was going against them, so she gets confronted by uh, by Dooku and Rafe and this again unknown Jedi that we were so unable to identify. We uh, tried again at this point. We did try again. Why is the lightsaber constantly in front of his face? There's a, there's a uh, there's a confrontation there between the two of them. You can see them kind of arguing back and forth, but the the video feed did not have audio. Uh, luckily, Tazi could read lips or remembered that he could read lips, and uh, and the dice were with him, and he was able to make out their conversation. The narrative there is that uh, Tassar agreed to surrender and be Rafe's assistant if the younglings were spared. The mystery Jedi, the the shadowy figure. She agreed, though. And then yeah, yeah. She she did agree. Uh, that mystery Jedi offered to take the kids back to Coruscant to teach them the correct path. But uh, but there's also some some implied statements that some of the kids were too old or could not be trained. There was no implied. It was it was straight up uh, said actually. Yeah. Again, I, Tazi read the lips. That's true. Tazi was the one to try to explain it to everybody. Right about that point, Ko making a le- making a last ditch effort to say, "Hey, I fought with a bunch of Jedi. Maybe I recognize his style." Finally, remembers at the same time A1 does that this is Qui Gon Jinn, apprentice to Count Dooku. Da 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 da. So Kale, Kale reveals what he learned about the door outside as well in our conversation, and Corel immediately heads out to open that door. Well, I mean, it, it, go get her. I mean, hello. Uh, <laughs> you know, so she sees the figure and finally hears that voice, and then everything goes black for her. She feels like she's falling and tumbling into darkness, and then she finally looks up, and the shadowy figure is kind of subtly glowing, and she hears her master say, hello, Padawan. And that's when the episode ends, but outside, Tazi sees her just collapse to the floor. Mm-hmm. That leads us into our most recent episode, episode 117. Corell actually has a long discussion with her former master in this at this point uh, about the nature of force. She kind of and is being asked, you know, what are you doing here? And she prevaricates and kind of hems and haws a lot about it because she doesn't want to give a straight answer. Big word. Thank you. I got to use defenestrate earlier too. I'm I know I heard that. Proud. I was I was I was, I was impressed. Um, was it because I thought it kind of was because she didn't know what she wanted at that point? Well, Corell doesn't still kind right. of know what she wants. Uh, the the interesting thing about the background behind this is uh, it, the person who plays Master Dane is my good friend Chris Berger, and uh, when we role played this, we just knew a general idea of what was going to go on, and I just said play the character, whatever you're going to say, you're going to say. And there were three times during this conversation that she actually stunned me out of character with these questions. The last question being basically was her saying, you know, hey, you're taking the easy path. What are your intentions here? And then she says, are you choosing a form of power or are you choosing to be a Jedi? And that actually stopped me as a player. And I'm like, that's such a good question. She goes, okay, I know how to end this. And it's just, Corell, wake up. And then Corell wakes up to find out that the boys had been standing over her trying, you know, to been trying to wake her up. And she just kind of was laying there twitching like a dog having a bad dream. Of course, she opened her hand and a lightsaber crystal fell out of her hand. Which which was a little creepy. A little confusing. And they noticed that that little star was no longer there in the ice. And once Corell kind of looked at it, she just said, I think we can go now. This actually led to kind of a neat conversation and something that we can build on later. Uh, there was a long discussion about setting up a base in this abandoned temple. You know, that it's, it's funny that you mentioned that, or it's funny that that became a topic, because, you know, for the longest time we've kind of used the Kraltsfang as our base of operations, and, um, you know, through the course of these adventures, that's kind of what we've done. But then we, you know, realized that we basically had this empty temple to ourselves out in the middle of pretty much nowhere, on the edge of Separatist space, 
you know, there's a lot of benefits and a lot of, and some possible downsides. But, uh, you know, that led us into a long discussion of like, do we want to settle down in this place? Is there a benefit or, or should we continue to stay on the move? From there, Corral goes off on her own. Yeah. And, uh, and I think Atazi and, uh, and Kao start like really kind of looking into like, okay, can this place support, like, yep. do we have the infrastructure available? Do we have the power source? Do we have resources to be able to do this? Yep. Cause do you have a landing field. Yeah, exactly. You tried to take, well, you were, you were working on taking A1 and Kao to go look at the antenna to see if you can get hooked up yep. to the hollow net. Carell mm-hmm. was setting up, had set up some like exercise mats in front as a seat in front of the meditation crystals. And A1, being A1, wanted to spy on her. <laughs> uh, you guys didn't let him. No, he didn't get that, to see no, no, he didn't get to, he did not get to watch the magic. No, he had to go fix the antenna. Uh, then Carell actually did spend some time in meditation. And just as she was about to build her lightsaber, a pair of, you know, glowy ghostly hands interposed her over her, over the lightsaber pieces. So they have a bit of discussion with Master Dane about, you know, she's taking a shortcut. This, are you sure this is the correct path? And Carell basically reiterated that it may be the wrong choice, but it was her choice to make. As she slots the crystal and seals the lightsaber, her master vanished from her sight. Corel looked around and activated the lightsaber, revealing a very brilliant violet lightsaber blade. We, uh, you know, and, and Keo and Tazi, uh, I think we had seen as much as we could about the uh, the base at that time. We'd have to make some bigger decisions as we we headed out back toward the speeders, so we can get back to the ship. In the hallway, uh, as we uh, you know, kind of shut the place down, conserve some power, we head back out that tunnel, and there we find uh, our our buddy, our guide Dorn, uh, wounded pretty badly in the hallway. And he, we asked him, you know, Kale revived him, and said, you know, what's going on? It's like, well, the the whippets that you fought in the bar fight, they came back after you. I was getting ready to leave, and A one kind of pointed out, well, why are you getting ready to leave? It's like, well, it's been two days. Yeah, it was A A one checked his internal chronometer, and he was like, it has not been two days. It's been like fourteen hours. Yeah, which so. can you really trust a droid that's memory's been I'm wiped out? Just for saying, two days? just oh, saying. That's true. We were all under the impression we were in there for a lot less time than we actually were. But uh, at the end of the tunnel, we discovered a a crude booby trap set up. A a frag grenade had been set up with a tripwire. We disarmed that, and that's when we also noticed that there were whippets lying in wait for us. Tazi then whipped out his gun, and with a triumph... My brand new blaster that I had not even had a chance to use yet, really. You pegged the sniper across the way. I I did not take the sniper down, but Tazi did do a significant amount of damage with that first shot. Yep. And then Ko took a hit from the sniper rifle. A couple of whippets dropped down from the ledge right above the, that the hallway. Was a very bad mistake on their part mm-hmm. because Corel ignited her lightsaber, and for the very first attack roll, the very first use of a lightsaber in our game, I got a triumph. Well, yeah. In, in their defense, oh. Oh, <laughs> they didn't know you had a lightsaber. So uh, yeah, one of them got their truncheon cut in half. One of them lost an arm. Kale barbecued two of them. One of them tried to run away and got stabbed in the back. I told by him a to. I told him to surrender, and he turned around. So yeah, Corel rather angrily ran him through. I think uh, I believe at that point, Ko Ko activated his firepower and uh, burned down oh, two sorry. of the two of the whippets there. And uh, I think uh, Tazi ended the fight with uh, the last shot on that sniper. Yeah, you guys gathered up the sniper weapon and kind of threw the whippets aside and loaded up the, the vehicle. And then you turn around and notice that Corel was just staring at the guy she stabbed in the back. Mm-hmm. And uh, they ended up kind of getting her into the vehicle. Whereupon A one wouldn't get in the vehicle until somebody else got in first. We don't know who that was. It was some he. He said he. 
Yeah, we don't know who it was. Um, He's seeing things. He was still talking. Side note to that combat with the first like real lightsaber fight. In character, Tazi was quite... I mean, Tazi was distracted, I think, for a couple rounds in the fight because of how amazing the lightsaber combat was. Obviously, the, the Triumph was a big success, and we were all really excited about that. But uh, but uh, you know, for, as a character, Tazi has never really seen a Jedi fight before. And if you've never seen that, it's very easy, even in the midst of a combat like that, to become 100% distracted. Um, it was quite a sight to see. Character-wise, he was, he was quite impressed. Well, uh, Corel is also, as had been discussed earlier in the episode, she had studied Seresu, which is much more of a defensive form. So when that guy came in with a truncheon, she basically blocked, parried it, and cut it in half. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of blade work being done to kind of get the attention. Looking forward to more lightsaber combat. We'll see. (laughs) Uh, You guys jumped in the speeder, headed back. Tazin short shared a soft longing. Oh, no, it was a worried. Worried. We were worried. We were concerned. Carol didn't notice that. There is no, nobody out there is shipping Tazi and Ko. I can guarantee it. We have, we have plenty of listeners. I'm sure somebody's doing it. Nobody. Nobody's shipping it. Uh, when you guys... Jacob is going to confirm for us that nobody, nobody is shipping Tazi and Ko. Silence. If you are, please post it to Redemption <laughs> oh, on Twitter. Fifth Amendment. <laughs> uh, once you guys get back to the town, uh, you guys found that uh, somebody tried to break into the ship. Uh, that made Carol rather upset. Yeah, uh, somebody had damaged the ship while trying to break into it, and uh, to the point where Corral had started getting angry at her tools and everything else. There was a lot of swearing going on when Tazi ran off to find out what had gone on. That's when Tazi saw Corral toss like a giant hull plate across the landing bay, and yeah. then he left because he was like, "I'm going to give her some time to calm down." Yep. Yeah, she was upset. Um, Tazi went across the street actually to the to the local constabulary to try to find uh, out who had done the break-ins. It turns out they'd already been captured. Um, to which then Tazi, I guess, somewhat effectively, some mostly ineffectively, stared down these young hooligans and tried to give them kind of a, you know, this, you know, bad things will happen if you keep this up. Just turn your lives around type of thing. And uh, It's just a couple teenagers yeah, trying to have fun. Again, Tazi tried to kind of play this intimidating character and unfortunately i feel like half, that you have pulled i feel like it yeah worked. that was that was kind of not necessarily his most shining moment with you, that you do a lot better when you're when it's kind of a surprise like kratos and dooku yeah, so. yeah yeah you, you do better when there's the actual fear you might die yeah good point uh, not uh, when they're in a cage i mean a tall skinny guy trying to stare down two like relatively yeah. oversized whiffids yeah yeah i was not impressively scary to them at all so Tazi left there feeling like he had done at least some kind of, you know, left an impression on these youngsters. Uh, but then uh, as we got back to the ship, um, the ship received a message from the Harlequin, a ship we had heard of but never had previous contact with. We had heard of it in episode, like, negative one, the audio that nobody's ever heard. Yeah. It was mentioned a few more the, times. Well, let's just minutes. call that, let's call that the lost episode. The lost episode. There we go. I like that. It was also mentioned when we were doing our research on Master Rays and the Domino. So we mentioned, the Harlequin was mentioned there as well. Yeah. Basically, the message was uh, Jenna and Tara had been kidnapped. Uh, unfortunately, in the kidnapping process, Jenny, the Wookiee, she was killed. But... She did defend the child. 
with her last breath. Uh, the Harlequin was actually hired, since it's a group of bounty hunters, they were hired to rescue the girl. Jana was actually still on the planet, uh, and the crew was asked to come back to Kashyyyk because they had some information for Tazi. Now, uh, just a, a point about this episode, one of the things that was really interesting about this one and, and one of the things that we've uh, talked about doing in the past and in the near future is that at a recent convention in February, um, Chris ran a game of Edge of the Empire for a group of people there. And when he ran the game, he informed that group that the adventure they would be going on would actually be having a direct impact on our podcast. It would be a tie-in, a side story that would tie into our main story. In fact, Jacob, our guest here today, was actually part of that storyline as well in the fact that he came in to uh, assist us with some of the voicing of those characters uh, after the fact. And we got uh, Jeff and Andy actually were at the convention and played in that story, uh, which was the story of the Harlequin rescuing Tara and getting her back to Kashyyyk. Uh, they both actually are going to be star guest starring on that episode as well. All three of them, Jacob too. Yeah. yeah so was... that is that is actually our next episode uh, that leads off season two. So uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate you uh, all taking time to help me with this recap. Hoping that uh, for new listeners, that gives them a good good feel of what we did before and what we're going to do in the future. It, if you, you should go if, back and listen. If you decided to nap during this. Congratulations, you've gotten yourself a good hour and a half to two hours of sleep. Now go back and listen to all the episodes for real. Yeah, that's probably a good way to go because you missed some amazing role play. Yeah. In season two, uh, we're all excited about it. We've gotten the audio issues fixed. We've clarified a couple rules, things that we're going to change and work with a little better. And we've already got some really awesome established characters and an awesome story going. So I'm excited. Uh, I can't wait for the next episode. You got me hooked. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. The Redemption Podcast is played using the Star Wars role-playing system by Fantasy Flight Games and Lucas Books. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as Facebook, Twitter, and our website. Also remember to share episodes with your friends on social media.